0: everybody welcome to another episode of the bourbon showdown my name is jesse jones and on the program today we have the guys from redwood empire delicious whiskey from california we have their master distiller jeff duckhorn on the program we've also got their head of marketing dave treblecock and we talk whiskey man we go through how they got started we go through their offerings we go through their rye we go through their bourbon oh it's just so good I like this brand, I'm, I'm, I don't hide from that. So I was super excited to talk to them. I like what they're doing. I like what they're trying to achieve. I love the message behind it. I specifically love the branding. That's why I wanted to talk to Dave as well. I think they're doing a lot of super cool things right now. And it's all, uh, the, the backstory, everything comes back to nature. And I love that. Uh, the month of April, for example, like this episode comes out the last week of their, April. April sweepstakes to win a glamping trip. They're going to take you out to the woods. You're going to get to live in nature. It's a weekend stay for up to six people, just minutes from Sonoma County's Russian River, a luxurious bell tent that can accommodate a queen bed. You're going to be outside, but you're going to be in a queen bed. I mean, these guys, it's such a cool thing, this concept that they've done. And you can go, you can sign up for it. The sweepstakes ends at the end of April. They have had everything going for uh, the month of April. It's, of course, when Earth Day is. Official sweepstakes, a total of one prize will be offered. The grand prize winner and a guest will receive a trip to Northern California, including three nights of glamping accommodations, round-trip economy class airfare to Northern California, credit for a rental car for the duration of your stay, a $250 Amex prepaid gift card for spending money, a tour of the Redwood Empire Distillery. Okay, that's. I want right there. That's the thing. I'll sleep outside if you let me go tour the distillery. That's freaking cool. And a commemorative gift bag. So go to their website today and sign up for the sweepstakes. It is your last week to do so, so do that now. Go sign up for the sweepstakes Enter to win the glamping experience It's it's going to be amazing And that's who we're talking to today I love having more than one person on I think you saw it with the spirits of Fridge Lick And you're going to see it again with the Redwood Empire When you've got multiple people On at the same time and you're all Enjoying what you're talking about It just comes through in the conversation And we just Shoot the shit for about an hour And a half, we talk whiskey We talk everything and it's just Just a lot of fun. So if you would, please go enter the contest, enter to win a glamping experience from Redwood Empire, and then head on over to the Bourbon Showdown and like and follow us and and listen and subscribe to the podcast. And we really are doing this for you guys, and it's been so much damn fun. So thank you to everyone who tunes in every week to learn more about whiskey and everything that goes into it. So that's my spiel, guys. That's me up top. I'm super excited. You know why? Because it is Kentucky dirt. Week. That's right. I'm going to the Derby this week. It's going to be a phenomenal trip. I am beyond stoked to be going. So, also keep up with the Bourbon Showdown Insta page because we're going to be posting everything about our trip to the Kentucky Derby this week and a few friends that we're going to be meeting with along the way. People you guys will recognize. So, be on the lookout for that. And now, I think that's enough, don't you? I do. So, let's get this show started right now. It's the Bourbon Showdown podcast. My name's Jesse Jones. It's Redwood Empire. Let's start the show. Thank you guys so much for being here today.
1: Glad to be here.
0: We have Jeff Duckhorn and Dave Treblecock, the masterminds behind Redwood Empire. We are so happy to have you guys on the show.
1: Thanks for having us, Jesse. Glad to be here
0: uh it's such an odd time in whiskey but at the same time it's such an innovative time in whiskey uh uh, how have you guys been doing like what have you been up to lately
1: um quite a bit actually uh considering the world and the state we're in right now uh we're continuing to just crank away and uh, lay down as much whiskey as we can and that's all so far so good
0: well, you're doing good work. I can tell you that. Uh, the, the number of people that we had just like, dude, you got to get Redwood Empire in. And you know it's good if they call you dude while they're saying it. Like like, like if a, if a 50-year-old man goes, dude, it's good. You better believe it's good because he just went out of his generation to tell you so.
1: It's like that back parking lot handshake.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. You're vouched for at that point.
2: Jesse, you thought you were cool as a comedian. Now, you know how you're really cool. You sell
0: alcohol. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> that is a thousand percent true, to tell you the truth. Um, comedy is sort of like the third tier of cool. I think first is rock star. And and no comic is ever going to be as cool as a rock star because they can do the same thing over and over every night and get every every fan in the world to scream their name and a comic has to go out and tell the same joke different ways, or else everybody's going to be like, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Do something different monkey dance.
2: There's no stairway to heaven in comedy.
0: No, there's not. There's just (laughs) a, a variety of different ways of telling the same thing in hopes that the person that came to the show last time is still entertained by the same joke this time. But it's also, it's a great challenge for the brain because, uh, you got to stay fresh. You can't regurgitate. You can't do it the same way every time you've got to make sure that it's new and fresh to everybody. Uh, well, the,
1: the good news is when you fail, you,
0: you got a new crowd the next night. So that part's true. I mean, that, uh, the, 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 goal is to not have the fail. Uh, the, <laughs> that's the, always a good, good Lord. I, I've seen, I've seen it. I've experienced it. Uh, not not knock on wood i've got a show in about three hours so uh uh, hopefully there's no fail tonight but the worst feeling in the world is when you've been doing it long enough your 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 gut will tell you about mid joke how it's actually going (laughs) like your head's going to tell you it's fine finish the joke and your gut's going to be like all right here we go car crash (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, the, but the beauty of a car crash is if you know what you're doing, you can pivot and turn that car crash into like freaking gold. Mm. It's all about the pivot.
2: I was the first uh, person who fell on stage, right? Oh, Made it uh, a crackle.
0: I, I've actually, um, my buddy, <laughs> Brian Bruner, talk about people falling on stage. He was in Vegas and, uh, he, he, his claim to fame and Brian, I love you, buddy. You know, this, uh, and he hates that this was his claim to fame, of course. He was talking about smokers. And apparently, and this is in Las Vegas, and apparently there was a smoker in the crowd that took like exceptional offense to this. And he is on YouTube getting knocked the hell out on stage. The guy just bum-rushed him and and cold cocked him and and it was it was nasty but then he started getting booked for all these talking head shows because that was his angle at that point which is sort of weird to be known as the got knocked out guy
1: yeah
0: (laughs) Uh, it's well you don't know you never know what's going to come your way Uh, whatever works Yeah, I've I've been doing shows before where um, there was a dude, I've got a a, a bit about a stripper, and uh, this guy in the crowd was like, I've been stripping for years. And I'm like, hmm? He's like, yep, (laughs) you're doing it wrong because, you know, you do a little act out. I was like, well, it's because I'm not actually, he's like, let me show you. And he jumped up on stage and started stripping while I was still telling the joke.
1: Wow, did he have the rip-off pants
0: just on? He had a full white suit on. (laughs) <laughs> I mean I mean, full three piece white suit and it took him a while to get the pants off like I had to keep the joke going longer than it was supposed to because it was working the crowd was freaking dying and uh, but then when the pants actually came off it was like now you can sit back down you're going to hurt the first three rows if you keep this up come on <laughs> good stuff <laughs> But that's not why we're here. We are here to talk about delicious whiskey. Uh, could you guys start by giving us a short history of Redwood Empire? Uh, uh, I, I love it when I don't know everything. And I've tried to research you guys. And, and you're a beautiful enigma right now. Like, I don't know where you come from. Give me give me a little bit of the background.
1: Yeah, I actually kind of love that we're still flying under the radar. It uh, seems to be a little less so these days. but. It's, uh, it's kind of a fun place to be and, and um, I really love it personally. Um, I, I've been with our parent company uh, for about 10 years now and we are a winery who now um, install and, and operates a distillery that we got running up in 2015. So, um, you know, definitely winery roots. That's kind of where I started out, um, having been with the company for 10 years and then uh, we've now pivoted. We're still making wine, making some great wines in Sonoma County, but uh, in 2015 is when we pivoted to uh, getting this, this still up and running and, and making spirits.
0: Beautiful. And 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 who started the brand? Like like who – because it's been around since like 2001, is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, the wine, um, it, it's all run by a guy, the guy. I mean, so we're um, – our, our owner, Derek Benham, is um, the one he founded the winery. He founded Purple Brands. And he's uh, been a very successful uh, wine uh, marketer for, for many years. I mean, he's, he's got a couple brands under his belt that he's uh, launched and and blown up and and sold off. And so that that's, you know, kind of what he's known at. Uh, did that in the 90s uh, with with Blackstone and then uh, followed up with
0: Mark West. And that was kind of the most recent. Wait, 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 wait. Out. Wait, Mark West, that's you guys? Or that's Purple Brands? That's Purple, yeah. yeah. It was until oh, that's, 2012. That's, that... That's when, awesome.
2: Uh, when it was sold to Constellation. yep.
0: So, so
1: I love Mark West because Mark West paid for what I get to do, which is to make spirits. And so when Mark West uh, sold, Derek, you know, wanted to continue with wine brands, but he's like, Hey, the, the spirit thing is really interesting to me. He's got some, he had some personal interest in it. He's a big gin fan, loves, loves gin and all that represents. And so he really wanted to get into the the spirit space. And so that was kind of maybe 2013 that that became an idea 2014 really became a, you know, starting to become a reality. And then 2015 is when we really got operational and this piece of equipment behind me um, was up and running. And
0: and what is that behind you? Is that just a a gigantic column still?
1: Yeah, it's a continuous column. still. we affectionately in-house refer to it as a micro column. It is 18 feet tall. So Everything is relevant, right? Uh, but it is not. It's not a 48 incher that you'd see at the at the bigger distilleries. This is only a 12 inch column, so it's relatively small, comparatively speaking, to uh, what the larger distilleries produce. But uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a you um, know small column. It, it uh, this is our main stripping that we use for whiskey, all whiskey production, and then we have the ability to make uh, vodka, uh, and we do that very occasionally, and then. This uh, little piece on the column on the end is actually somewhat unique and um, it's, it's what does our heads cut. So instead of having a doubler or a pot to, to uh, knock those heads off, we do it in line with this little column. So really cool piece of equipment, uh, American-made uh, in Butte, Montana by a company called Headframe. And uh, the guy behind it really kind of this mad scientist that came from the ethanol refining business and had enough of that and loved, loved booze, loved spirits, loved whiskey and said, hey, I think I can make something that will work for this, this upcoming craft industry. And uh, we didn't really know a whole lot, uh, to be honest, what we were doing coming from the wine side. And we're out looking for something kind of cool and interesting. And we decided on pot versus column and talked a lot with uh, John and he really sold us on this. And I, I can say six years later, I mean, it, is, it has been a great uh, still to run. We have a lot of fun on it still and we're running it right now, actually. Um, and it's been really a, a great workforce for us.
0: Well, it's a beautiful thing coming from wine because the longer the craft whiskey boom is going, the more it seems to be geared towards that wine mentality. Like I I love the fact that so many people right now are putting out spirits that you're only going to get this barrel from this year. Like you're not going to be able to get a 2020 barrel pick and and it be the same next year as you do for this year. You know what I mean? Like so, in in that sense, it's really going the wine route where. if you expand it as much as it could be, that's a great place for it to be because then you can have your base model, and then you can also have your your limited attraction, so to speak.
1: There's some great synergies that that happen in both worlds, and and it's back and forth too. Uh, we some of our whiskey barrels, um, their 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 final and future home ends up being uh, for for a wine finish, you know, a whiskey finished wine, and we've got several of those out right now. So. There's a lot of great synergy happening in between the, uh, the two companies, and it's fun. I mean, it's really fun to have winemakers on site. They have phenomenal palates. Uh, like I said, I'm in the winemaker's office right now, Was my office was kind of loud. Uh, and and he, uh, Joe's known as the nose. And so whenever I'm working on a blender, I have something going on, like, I, I'll go to him first. I'm like, hey, dude, smell this thing. Like, what do you think? And he can pick up on just amazing nuances. So there's a lot of great synergy.
0: I love that, and, and the fact that you're able to take that palate and and let someone else's, because you're right, the the training that goes into the wine palate has historically it, it's better chronicled than the whiskey palate. Not to say that the whiskey palate isn't as equally refined, but there is like that history of the wine taster's palette that goes back all the way. That's why you have like certifications for that Grand Sommelier title, you know.
1: Totally. Yeah. And my in Joe's background, you know, he's got a ton of viticulture background, went to college for it. I have an economics degree and, <laughs> you know, and came from a finance background. Now I'm making spirits for a living. So it's a little different path, but hey, we, you know, you get where you get.
0: And that's what I wanted to talk to you about. You were originally an accountant,
1: weren't you? Yeah. That's actually why I was hired on at Purple to be. And I spent my first four years here as a cost accountant, general ledger accountant. Uh, as Derek, our owner, will tell you, I was I was pale-faced in the back, no light, <laughs> bent over a keyboard, couple monitors, you know, staring at spreadsheets all day. Um, and that's that's how I started. That's kind of what I've done most of my career because you get out of school and you got to get a job and uh-huh. there's always a need for, for finance and accounting. And so uh, that's kind of what I fell into uh, and I've been, you know, doing for the last, you know, 15, 20 years we'll call it. But I mean, that's that's not my passion. That's just, you know, you have your passion and you have your, your job and, and sometimes they don't align um, and they didn't really align and that was fine. I mean, I had, you know, young family and, and other things I had to, t- to take care of and support. Uh, but I, I personally feel that at heart, I am a maker and I always have been. I mean, going back to before I could legally drink beer, I was making beer in the garage with friends and always experimenting with stuff. And I just, I like to tinker on whatever it is, whether it's alcohol or, or kombucha or a a big bread maker, you know, from natural yeast, or also I've got a big garden in the back that I'm constantly uh, grafting and tinkering and cutting stuff and moving stuff and growing stuff. And so I just, I, I, especially when you're staring at spreadsheets all day, you need another outlet. And so that was my my outlet. And it's always been my outlet is to, is to get outside and, and, and get, get dirty and make
0: stuff. And uh, what grows for you in in California? Like I, I, I'm very similar in that uh, North Carolina. It's a very specific crop that I can bring in. But I did. I, I as soon as the uh, pandemic started, I started like I took over half of the backyard and converted it into a full, pretty totally, massive garden. Totally. Uh, what What are you growing out there?
1: I mean, we're we're really fortunate here, especially in West Sonoma, Sonoma County. Uh, we do get frost, but it's pretty delicate frost. You know, maybe half a dozen days a year below 30. So, there's a lot we can grow. Uh, I, I take a lot of pride in my citrus. So, um, we, I have Meyer lemons, I have Buddha's hand, I have oh. mandarin limes, I have, you know, a couple different kinds of limes. Uh, so, I have a ton of citrus growing. And then all the orchard fruits, the apples, the pears, uh, Asian pears are a big fan of those. So, you know, I've got all that going. I've got uh, Fuji persimmons, uh, they're super, uh, super yummy. So, you know, a lot of that stuff. And then, yeah, the seasonal stuff, I mean, tomatoes, obviously, like you can. Like tomato, basil, mozzarella, like that's a staple around the house in the summer.
0: You, you have to. You, you can't yeah. not. Uh, North Carolina, it can be hard to do citrus just because it doesn't, it, it doesn't sustain that hot weather long enough for it to grow. Right. Uh, I, I had recently, <laughs> and, and again, I, I don't know if – I'm at the point now where it's just anything that tastes interesting or anything that has a dimension to it, I will, I will get on board with. I that's had a – a pear brandy recently. Yeah. Dude. And it was freaking phenomenal.
1: We have a we have an orchard that's a quarter mile up the road, and this guy um, grows Asian pears, so it's kind of a hybrid between an apple and a pear. They're round like an apple. They have more of a pear pear taste to them, and they're beautiful. He sells them to all the local grocery stores for like, you know, a couple dollars an Asian pear, but he has all the seconds that are not attractive looking. And so uh, for several years, uh, we brought in, uh, the, the juice of that and fermented distilled and the o Vee, the, the, the clear spirit coming off the still was just, it was like eating a fresh pear. It was amazing. And then we have a lot of that in barrel now. We're super excited to see where that's going to go. So yeah, man, there's a lot of fun stuff happening right now.
0: When, when that happens, let me know, because that is, that, that is my jam right now. Yeah. Uh, we went to go see my wife's family in Germany a couple years ago oh, yeah. and, Good lord! Yeah, right. Yeah, they've got, they have all that stuff going. Yeah, and, and, and Americans, we can be kind of, I um, uh, I don't know what's the what's the I I don't mean anything bad by it when I say yeah. it, but we like what we like. And and we kind of make our opinion on what we like, and we, we can be kind of restrictive to how we expand from that. Sure. Uh, and, and I was the same way when I got there, because the only schnapps I'd ever had was our schnapps. Right. The Sorry, schna- right. Yes, the pure sugar schnapps. Right, and yeah. then you go over there and you're drinking brandy and schnapps and it's all so clean and crisp and the flavor profiles are just like out of this world It, it was a game changer love it yeah so you are positioned in northern california we were just talking about that with the weather uh and the and the planting um we talked about how you got from wine to spirits. Traditionally, Sonoma County is no more for wine than spirits. Right. Uh, the, the past 10 years, or a little longer, you guys have been, there's been a boom. There's been a craft distillery boom, and now you guys are kind of leading the charge with that. Is is whiskey taking over? Is whiskey, uh, is, 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 that, is that the new wine for California?
1: I think we've got a little ways to go. We make, we make quite a bit of wine. <laughs> But hey, I would love if we take over. I mean, I don't think anybody's planted the, the the flag in California yet. As far as California whiskey goes, I think there's a ton of great distilleries out there making California whiskey. So I think that road is wide open for us. Um, there's we have the Sacramento Valley right up the road a couple hours north of us. And so a lot of grains are grown, you know, within four or five hours of us. So there's a lot of great local production similar to the wine production that we can take advantage of. So there's a lot of upside. Um, And then like we talked about earlier, we've got all this winemaking storied background where we have people that are very well educated in how to take care of barrels, how to sell our stuff, how to be sanitary on fermentations, you know, all these practices that translate pretty darn well. And and also uh, the brewing background. Um, It's, you know, more little known locally, but I mean, you know, Pliny, I think is pretty widely known at this point from Russian River, but we have a huge uh, brewery culture here in Sonoma County as well. Right. And so there's a lot of interplay between the wine, the beer and the spirits and so yeah I mean, it's a lot of fun for us and there's a lot of a uh, lot of synergy again a lot of you know back and forth um, that we can play on. I personally on my my distillery team when we started I was able to grab people that were already in house on the wine side and and bring them on and they were already just up and running with all their knowledge you know. My, um, my gal that's in charge of really all of our barrels, she came from the, the, the wine cellar and just her knowledge of how to take care of barrels is amazing. I mean, she can knock a barrel and be like, yeah, that's got 42 gallons in it. And I'm like, really? really? And then we dump it out. It's like, it's fucking 42 gallons. <laughs> and, <it's crazy. laughs> and you can't awesome. with, with a barrel of liquid, you have really no idea what's in it. I, I, I still don't know, but because you, you can't really gauge those successfully. I mean, they make, you know, kind of graduated sticks you can stick in or whatever, but Barrels are kind of this unique natural thing where every single barrel is a slightly different volume, even if it's made on the same assembly line right before or after the barrel behind it. So while our whiskey barrels, we buy our 53 gallons, they vary anywhere from 52 to 54. Uh, so, th- th- you know, there's a lot of variability there, but yeah, she's a wizard. So it's really nice to have these people in house uh, that have this, this background that really uh, helps
0: us. Of course. I mean, every, every leg up you can get in this business, right? Cause time is money, especially when you're, if you do it the wrong way, you then sit on it for so long that if it doesn't come out the way you want it to, that's, you, you gotta be efficient.
1: That, that was probably the hardest thing to sell our owner on was this, this concept of time and aging. Right. Because unlike yeah. the wine world where you have, uh, you have a, you have a, you have you have a plateau to that and then you, you gotta get that stuff out of barrel and it's not going to get any better. Um, whiskey, there's, there's really no plateau. I mean, I, we can argue like, you know, 15 years, I don't know, somewhere around there. It's, it's really climate control based on where you're at, but it's, it's well over a decade. And so it was a little challenging for us to convince our owner that we're going to lay down all this capital and kind of forget about it for quite a while. And don't worry, it'll be okay. And it's actually going to appreciate. And if anything ever went wrong, it actually has a ton more value than what we put into it. And that's kind of a foreign concept, and that's kind of where wine and and, and whiskey do uh, diverge. Is as this concept of time and this aging process is at a much slower rate?
0: Well, I, I've I've had distillers tell me. Uh, uh, Lisa Wicker put it pretty good. It's like a reverse pyramid scheme. It's it's like yeah. uh, it's the only business <laughs> where you're going to keep putting money into it in hopes. Get less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> for a maybe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe.
1: Jeez. Yeah. It's, it's pretty scary. We have uh, 12,000 barrels under our care currently. Um, and not all those are on site. I think we're probably around 5,500 on site. Um, and um, uh, it's a lot of barrels. I mean, it's, it's a little daunting and, and there's a lot of, a lot of money uh, tied up in those barrels, but it's pretty damn cool that we have the opportunity to do that. And I think that sets us apart from a lot of our competition and that we're, we're thinking a little bit more, uh,
0: long game on this. Yep, I was, that was but I was literally about to say that because you guys are out of the gate producing your own juice. You're 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 doing it yourself, and you're doing it in a climate that is known to the country, but not necessarily for spirits. Uh, right. So you've really got the ability to be at the forefront of California whiskey making, uh, especially considering just from a, a business standpoint, you've got the money of wine helping you push the whiskey further whereas somebody that only had the whiskey they're going to be struggling to kind of reach the markets that you guys are able to because you can tap into that wine partnership that you already had in the marketplace to get it out there and and it's ooh, you've got a solid one-two punch on your hands
2: we're we're, we're fortunate in that uh the same distributors that sell our wine brands uh do sell spirits now if if, uh, derek had wanted to get into beer uh, it would have been a completely different story. That distribution network looks a lot different than, um, than it does for spirits. Now there's different divisions within there. There's definitely different differences in selling spirits than wine, but you're absolutely right. Everything was there in place. A production facility where a distillery could be built, a national sales distribution network, which was ready to go and could plug in these brands into that network. Um, yeah, we had, a, we had a lot going for us. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the execution of the brand was kind of the icing on the cake.
0: Well, see, that's where I geek out because I think so many people, they, there's like a fantasy uh, or, or a daydream that is whiskey where I'm going to have this great idea and I'm going to put all of this freaking time and money and, and learning and education into it. And at the end of the day, the, the, the juice being good is the first step. Like the expectation is uh-huh. that the juice is good. Like right. that's not the job. The job is you're selling it. it. Well, you gotta, you yeah. yeah. Get to
1: that juice.
0: Yeah. So so if you've got the prettiest the prettiest bottle ever, you're still going to have to have marketing, distribution, oh. advertising, and and again, I geek out a little bit on this just because it's my background uh, from a prior life, but you guys have really put it together nicely where you've been able to put together a good juice you've got distribution because of your wine background and dear lord dave the marketing behind this thing is just beautiful
2: well thank you Uh, we think we think we've pulled it together pretty well and there's no doubt um you know if you don't believe us uh, of course jeff and i will tell you that this is the best liquid in the world uh, but you know our, our critical acclaim that we've received since um, basically the last 18 to 24 months since we've really relaunched the brand identity uh, and these new two two new products, the bourbon and the rye, um, those are both new mid 2019, um, have been off the charts great. Um, just high 90 point ratings from different rating publications gold double golds and best of shows uh, just just really um, the liquid has performed well uh, and then you know the branding yeah we can we can get all into that too um, we think that's really hit it's the mark ki- with consumers and it's
0: kickass it's something different it makes uh, my
1: job a hell of a lot easier uh, when at the end of the day what i'm making is going in this package so it's it's it is really nice cuz i can make great juice all day long, and if it's in a brown bag, you know, that's not gonna work in today's world.
0: That's exactly right. And and you were just saying a moment ago about the quality of the juice and how it comes out. Uh, Jeff, what part do you think the California weather plays in that?
1: Yeah, I mean, so we're, we're pretty unique in a lot of ways on our, our uh, liquid profile. We're really on all three of these core items. Um, I mean, this, this still, for as cool as it is and, and how much it cranks out, we're, we're somewhat limited on our production capacity. We're laying down and have been for almost six years as much as we possibly can but early on understood that that was not going to be enough for really for where we want to be. Right. Uh, so so uh, you know we made some investments early on even before we got up and running and source liquid um, and, and we continue to do that. So all three of these core tier there are they are gonna be blends of both in-house distilled and uh, source material, which in most cases is is older because hey, we're only six years old.
0: Of course. I mean now six
1: years, like that sounds pretty good and like I'm super excited to be here after six years. When you have three year old bourbon, you don't have anything. Right. I mean you, you have you have like half of a half of a product. So, uh, so we made some decisions early on, and and really, really fortunate that that uh, Derek allowed us to go out and aggressively buy a lot of you know Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee liquid uh, to to really make the best possible blend that we could. And so I spent a lot of my time uh, you know working on these blends, and and um, we are you know again a, a blend of all three of these of in house and source distillery
0: which and i think people are probably tired of hearing me say it i don't think blenders get enough credit in this industry for what they do
1: yeah i mean i think we're finally getting to a place where people are starting to understand that more uh it, you look at the wine world and and like it's just it's a very different concept but if, for some reason when the craft whiskey boom happened it was like if it's not 100 made in-house like it's not it's not legit, and that's not where the rest of industry goes. I mean, most no, wines, no. most wineries out there, most big wine brands are not in, made in-house. That's just not how things work. I mean, that's there's a lot of logistical reasons why that doesn't work.
0: Well, and yes. I've never understood why as an industry you would limit yourself because the opportunity and the possibilities are limitless, especially right. if you can just open your brain a little bit and, and, and go – Okay, this is interesting. Like uh, Canadian, I like I, I think it's weird the stigma that people have with Canadian whiskey. Like some yeah. of the best blends that I've tasted in the past six months, they're they've got Canadian uh, in them. Like like yeah, man, all day long and twice on Sunday. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't let your eyes overshadow your tongue. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. I mean, so that's kind of our approach when
1: we talk about what our approach is to our whiskeys is we're really all about the blend. We're about making the best possible blend. And we're, I'm not looking for, for any one pop. I'm not really looking to blow your, your socks off. I want balance. I want, you know, I want more of a nuance and a subtlety. Um, Cheers and really to that. That, that takes uh, in a lot of cases, you know, having these different components and especially for us uh, when we were younger starting out, I mean, I, I took home, some of our four-year-old, uh, you know, a burger that was, uh, distilled in fall of 16. I took some home the other night, actually last night and I was drinking that. And I got to tell you, you know, as, as a distiller, like there's nothing more exciting than finally seeing the fruits of your labors. They're like, Holy shit, this is actually pretty good because right, right. the first <laughs> couple of years of, of whiskey making, it's not good. And none of it's good. Like we, that was a really painful lesson we, we learned early on. It was like, okay, three months, let's taste it. Six months, let's taste it. Nine months, we'll taste it. A year let's stop tasting it because it tastes like shit because it's just young whiskey. There's no, there's no cheating time and it's not good. And so again, really fortunate that we didn't have to play that short game and try to rush a two-year-old bourbon to market because that. Just doesn't
0: work. No, and that's that's going to hurt you in the long run because you're going to turn off the consumer at the beginning versus yeah. allowing them to grow with you into that. Uh, I
1: think the, the one caveat with the source material is just be honest. And I think now I think more and more people are, are getting that. And it's just be honest where you're at. Our back labels have states of distillation on them. I, you know, I, we're pretty clear in our marketing on that. I mean, I, I'm not hiding anything. Like, I, right. I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that we are blending and that we have all these great distillates to work with. And I think as long as you're honest with people, I found when I'm out in the marketplace, people get that. They just want to taste something that's cool and interesting and is good. Yeah, I, that's exactly I, 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 right. I,
2: I, I, add add to that though that, you know, some of the whiskeys that uh, Jeff's talking about that we've purchased have been aged in great in the Russian River Valley in Sonoma County. So part of the character of the whiskeys, even if we purchase it from Indiana or Kentucky or Tennessee, uh, comes from the fact that we're in a whole different climate and those barrels are going through a different maturation cycle than they would have back east. For sure. So it's still, there's still an element of um, locality, of Chihuahua, if you will, uh, that, um, you know, we can claim even with the whiskeys that we purchase.
0: Well, and that's what I wanted to ask you about because you guys have so many microclimates in California that there isn't just an extreme heat and an extreme cold. You guys have a, a variety of variables in between. How does that play into the final product?
1: Yeah, I mean, great question. And, and we're still pretty early on in this. I mean, all the stuff we have in barrel is, is just coming up on six years old. But I, I found so far that I mean, we're definitely a gentler climate. We're, we're, we're not Kentucky by any means. We're also definitely not Scotland. I think we're somewhere in between. Right. I, it's going to lead to a longer maturation process. So, so that's kind of our goal when we're putting stuff down. We do get a nice pop of heat. Um, we're in West Sonoma County, in this little town of, of Grayton or Graton, as we refer to it. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're about a half hour from the Pacific Ocean. So we get a lot of, of coastal influence. Um, but we do get some nice heat. We get some 90 plus days in the summer. Uh, where our rickhouse is, we we encourage that heat to come in. I've got some air systems that draw that in and keep that in, so we can get these barrels nice and hot and sweaty in the summer for at least a couple months. And then we have this nice long, slow, uh, you know, gentler period where it's really, like I said, not uh, not really ever much below freezing. But uh, I think it's a great climate personally. I think we're going to have more delicate whiskies, uh, you know, in our fermentation and all through our process. We're kind of geared towards that, and it's uh, you know, it's great. I mean, I, I see on average that. We're picking up uh, two to three points of proof on everything that we're laying down uh, over the course of, you know, call it four or five, six years. So we're gaining a little bit of proof. Uh, we put in all of our spirits around 110. Okay. I, I had uh, the great fortune of getting to spend some time with Dave Pickerel uh, several years back. Uh, legend. Yeah. And, and the man. Mark, total. And just so open. I mean, he would tell you anything and his knowledge base was just amazing. And so he was really cool guy, but he really sold me on that 110 philosophy. As a lot of people don't know, for whiskey, uh, 125 is your cap, you can't go into barrel above 125. Your uh, your floor is really whatever you want. You wouldn't really go in much below 100 because you're just wasting a lot of wood. Right. Uh, and you can have some weird interactions with when you have more water than spirit. So you know, 120 has kind of been this industry standard. You see a lot of stuff going at 120, uh, 110, you're just wasting 10% more wood, but then you're adding 10% less water at the end and you have a, a, a more of a concentration. And so we've really found that 110 is working well for us. And so there's some little tricks that you can do to, to kind of play with your, uh, your climate. And that's what we've been experimenting with over time.
0: All right. And then you output at 90. Okay. Like it, yeah. it, it comes to the consumer at 90 proof.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Current stuff. Uh, we are we are releasing a bottle and bond of both our bourbon and our rye uh, this probably later this summer. Super excited about that. Oh, uh, uh, that again. gets a
0: Homer Simpson out of me. That that, that, that yeah. you're you talking a <laughs> jam right there.
1: Yeah. Whereas these are blends, very meticulously curated of a lot of different stuff. The bottle and the bond is kind of where the rubber meets the road for for me and my team because there's Agreed. no hiding. There's no hiding behind a bottle and bond. I mean, nope. it is what it's it's like this is what you did in this six month window five years ago how is it and there's 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 nothing you can do to adulterate that so very excited for that i think we're, we're ready i mean i think they're still going to get better and they should get better i mean i can't say that five years ago we knew exactly what we were doing i think we had a pretty good idea but the stuff we're making now and laying down is going to be exceptional five six years from now but it's a really fun work in progress and it's it'll be fun to see kind of this vintage the vintage uh evolution of the spirit
0: I love it. And I absolutely love that. That's where the industry is going right now. You just said it vintage by vintage. Yeah. Uh, you're you're going to get to the point where you're able to market it as the year. And I just think that's the coolest thing we could possibly do for, uh, you can still have your three, you can still have a rye, a bourbon and a blend, but every year people are going to keep that on their shelf and be on the lookout for the fricking 2022. You know what I mean? totally yeah
1: so we're we're gonna release our spring 2016 crop uh this summer and so there'll be a, a true five-year-old bottled and bond uh and really looking forward to it. we did we had a couple weeders in that in the bourbon section so i think we're gonna get a play with a little bit of that weeded variety
0: Are so we, we just crop. become best friends you just said yeah, weeded yeah. weeded and bottled <laughs> and bond in the same like two minutes i am i am All okay
1: right. cool we'll see if we can get a sample of that once we start we're really gonna start the sampling process we'll get you a uh, Get your bottle. Get your feedback
0: on it. Oh, that sounds freaking great. Just, uh, just
2: just to uh, manage expectations, when Je- Jeff says uh, we start selling that in late summer, really that means like September on shelf, September October. So just just you know, just
0: so you know. Most definitely, uh, <laughs> when you when you go looking for it, know just know that everybody because uh, uh, don't get mad if it's right. not there in August. It, it's it's still in process at that point.
1: And there's not going to be a whole lot of it because we just, we weren't uh-huh. making a ton back in, in early 2016. And we need to support our core brands. So of course. this is really going to be a, a, a small to start, um, but I, I'm super excited. We're all very excited about it. I mean, I think yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Well, if Two you times, look at it, it's, it's like um, you've, you've now been pregnant for five years. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, and you don't really know what your kid's going to look like. No, no, and that's it, the scariest part
0: yeah, Hopefully it's your yeah. <laughs> i remember um when my first son was born uh uh my mother-in-law who who is here right now hello lois um she she's visiting mm-hmm. us from uh the beach uh when the kid came out she was <laughs> she was like oh there's no doubt that's your kid nothing what like, was was there <laughs> you said that as if you were was there a minute or two where you were worried about Ah, oh, your kid. There, mm, No doubt about that. I'm like, hey. Is that good? Is that a good thing? Nice. You disappointed? Mother-in-law, <laughs> you nod. You just nod yeah. and go,
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh she's awesome though you were talking jen earlier she is a jen aficionado like you can you can blind
1: there I'm you go gonna, i'm gonna apply with my virtual background as best i can
0: hey uh, look at that there is, we that go. Your, is that your guy's jen that's our jen and that's so Dude. so our owner loved
1: it so much she put his name on it so that's uh Derek benham so we love our jen this is my this is my first baby we talk about babies so we launched this in early 2016 very proud of this um no, it's, it's a fun gin. So yeah, we love our I, gin here too.
0: I, I love gin. I, I, I think people are, I, I think in terms of distillation, gin can come off the line first, but I think as the public's awareness is growing, that gin is one of the next things that you're going to see really blow up because it's already in the middle of blowing up because the nuances that you get with gin are very specific. And and, oh. and she, Lois is so good. You can sit her down with a blind, and she can tell you everything in every sip that she's having. Like She's got that palate that's just geared towards it.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. A lot of people are afraid of gin. I mean, I, I'm out on the road a, a lot, obviously not recently, but, uh, and it's funny people are, they think they hate gin and it's like, okay, when's the last time you had gin? It was like, it was 20 years ago. I got into grandpa's beefy. It was like, yes, that's, not, yes. That's, not gin. that's, that's, that's a type of gin, but that's, there are many other types of gin.
0: And if you look at how bourbon has had its resurgence, that yeah. same story is parallel to what's going on with gin right now, because everybody had a weird like this mental picture of what bourbon was from the last time they had it whether it was in college or when they snuck it out of grandpa's shed and and then the the boom happened and everybody was like like that shining light comes down where they taste something amazing for the first time and it went from there and i think jen has the same stigma because everybody has that Pine saw memory where yeah. they drank fricking, I don't want to, I'm not going to say Tanqueray, but I'm thinking Tanqueray. Uh, everybody had that freaking bad experience with it back when they were in seventh grade and then they've stayed away from it since then.
1: Yeah. I love taking it out. frankly, because The more people I get to taste it, they're like, wow, this is actually really good. I'm like, that's what most gin now tastes like. So get out there try some different gins. Don't be afraid of it, especially at a bar, get a cocktail. What do you have to lose?
0: Yep. That's You're exactly right. It's light. Different- it's floral. It's delicious.
2: You heard Jeff talking about all of the different, um, uh, you know, the, the citrus fruit and uh, other other things that we can grow here in Sonoma County. Uh, the gin is made from 12 different botanicals, and um, Jeff has a very special piece of equipment there uh, for making that gin. It is quite quite a uh, unique and special type of gin, very unlike the beef eater sort of mold. Um, not there's anything wrong with that, but it's just of a course.
0: Very, uh, and, yeah. and, and, and I, I, I'm not speaking ill. I've had it recently. It is, it is, it is good, but there's that thing. Your palate wasn't ready for it when you had it. Uh, right. uh when you were in seventh it's grade, martini you,
1: Friday, $4 martinis so all day long. It's great. Right, you know,
0: right. that. Uh, well said, well said. Cause there's a place for everything, everything right. out there. There's a place for it in your palate. You just have to learn yourself and discern for when that time is. And 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 speaking of the timing, uh uh you went from accounting to the distiller. How how did that timing work? Like did you just kind of go in one day and be like, you know what? Uh uh, uh no. <laughs> I'm done with the two plus two. I'm ready for the booze plus booze.
1: Now it's kind of a funny story actually. Like our owner really Derek really didn't know who I was. I mean, I was like I said, an accounting in the back, but I was bringing stuff in, you know, so I was bringing in homebrew and I was bringing in bread and the sourdough bread I was making on the weekends on the pizza stone and all that stuff. And oh. so he, you know, he was, we he was coming into the office back then and, and he was like, who's making this stuff? And I, and I made this, I made this Belgian double and he just got back from a trip to Europe and he was all in this, this, this big, heavy Belgian kick. And he was like, holy shit, this is pretty good. Like this is because, you know, you, you hear homebrew and most people were like, yeah, I'll, I'll try it. Um, right. You know, I hope it
0: doesn't give me the trots. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So he was a little wary and he tried, he's like, what else do you do? And so I kind of planted that seed in his mind that, Hey, this accountant can maybe do other stuff. And then we were doing the distillery build out and I was involved in in the asset management of that and, you know, helping to finance and all that stuff. And I'm like, I think I can, I I can be involved on a production standpoint. And so I kind of just, I insinuated my, my way into his brain, uh, just subtly, you know, and with alcohol, uh, and, and, and it worked.
0: You're the main character from Wanted only with bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you're, you're like the sleeper cell that, yeah. that he, he, he woke up and he has directed it towards the industry. And now you're just fricking slinging shit.
1: Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And then we had kind of a series of, uh, for me, fortunate circumstances where we had hired personnel to come in and run things day one that didn't work out. And he turned to me and was like, all right, you think you can figure this out? And I was like, Uh, hell yeah I mean what what did I have to lose at that point Uh I was like 39 years old I've been doing accounting most of my life it was like this was a dream so I was like I'll figure it out I mean you're gonna have to pay to get some some help I'm gonna need some consulting help and I'll go out on the road and I'll talk to anybody and everybody and learn as much as I possibly can but we'll we'll, let's do it and so that was that was like March of 2015 and I was like I haven't looked back since
0: is that not the coolest part of this industry though? When you need help, you can go out into the industry and nobody's going to turn you down. Like oh, it's that. great.
1: It's so nice. Like, like craft beer was like that back in the day. And now it's gotten really, it's gotten really corporate, but, uh, it's is still in this space where, yeah, there's just a lot of open sharing of information and it's an awesome time. I mean, it's really fun. And people will just, you can call me And I'm the same way. I mean, people call me all the time and, and we'll just shoot the shit and like, tell me, how's your, what are you doing? And, you know, it's like, and there's really no wrong way to do it. I mean, I've had some things that have turned out pretty wrong, but they're still in barrel and, and, you know, time might, might fix those mistakes. So
0: that's exactly uh, right.
1: It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really cool time for spirits. And, and I definitely uh, continue to, to do as much as I can to educate myself. But I mean, bottom line is this thing is, it's the third of its kind. It's a very unique piece of equipment. Uh, there was no amount of education, uh, that was going to prepare me to 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 run this, and so we just spent you know 2015 figuring out what the hell it would do, and so we threw everything we could at it. We did a ton of single varietal mashes with 100% rye, 100% malt rye, 100% corn, 100% wheat. Uh, we did I think we did some oats and some some uh, triticale and all these weird things, and just put them in barrel kind of as individual components so that we would know what that tastes like. And then we could kind of start working on mash bills. So we kind of reverse engineer our, our, our way into mash bills that way. That's and the only way to do it. Out. Just build your palate. Yeah. Right. So we just kind of slowly figured out uh, what we were doing, quite frankly. And, and uh, now it's six years later. It's crazy.
0: I love it because the best spirits always come from that organic approach. The, 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 the journey is somehow imprinted in the bottle and and when you care about it and when you grow it just it just seems to get encapsulated into what you're doing and i i I think success always comes from the stories like yours where you're 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 in it and and that freaking passion bleeds through through the product yeah
1: yeah we have a lot of passionate people here so i mean i i cannot take credit for for all this by far. I have a great team that works for me. We have a great marketing team, great sales team. I mean, we have all around, we have really good people here on the wine side too as well. And like I said, we, we, we help each other out and it's just, it's a great family situation. So it's, it's awesome.
0: Well, and you're able to play off of that natural balance and Dave, I think that's where you come in a little bit because you guys have been able to, Jeff has the juice, the juice is good. And now you guys are able to pick that up and package it in a way that is not only digestible to the consumer, but you are marketing it in a way that builds brand loyalty. Could you, could you walk me through a little bit of that part of it? Because I, 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 I know I told you guys before this started, but you guys and your branding and your labels are just top notch and, and you're doing something no one else is doing right now. H- how did this come about? Because it, 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 there had to be a process behind this. You don't just start here.
2: Yeah, and we, and we didn't actually, this is the second iteration of our label, which I'll touch on in a minute. But I think the point of what you're, you're getting at, the heart of it is, you know, we, there's lots of great liquid out there, whether it be wine or beer or spirits, and and sometimes there's great liquid, but the brand doesn't succeed. Uh, sometimes there's great, great, you know, brands and the liquid isn't that great. And, you know, the, this this sort of combination of things that come together and make a really strong consumer brand, something that consumers fall in love with, um, is is not easy to do. If it was easy, everybody would be creating great brands and would be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But that's not the <laughs> way it is. Uh, so, you know, uh, Jeff talked a little bit about this very special place. That we live in here in Sonoma County, and in particular in Grayton and in the heart of the Russian River Valley. If you were there and just walked outside of the distillery, you're going to see redwoods. You're going to be, you know, in the, in the heart of the Redwood Empire, which stretches from San Francisco all the way up to the Oregon coast. And, you know, we selected that name to give us a sense of place uh, without really, you know, kind of leaning on the wine piece of it and, you know, kind of, you know, trying to leverage off of Russian River or grapes. Uh, But but something that was evocative of the place that we're from. Uh, So when you go there and you're trying to build a brand that connects at a deeper level with consumers, hopefully at an emotional level, some sort of emotional tug. You know, we, we wanted to create the strongest brand identity that we possibly could. And um, I'll just show you uh, real quick and you, you might, I'll touch on the image uh, behind me, but this
0: was the original uh, label for Redwood Empire. And I, I, this one I've Jeff never worked. seen that before, but but yeah. coming from branding and coming from marketing, I can see how you got there.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. Nothing. It, it wrong It looks there. very whiskey centric. It looks just like everything else on the show.
0: That is exactly right, and 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 you're a hundred percent. There's nothing wrong with it. But yes, I, I, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm with you.
2: Yeah, my pre my predecessor, who I think kicked off some of the uh, re, you know, the the uh, the new identity work. Um, he had said he had gone gone and talked to customers and uh, distributors, and they said, yeah, it's nice. And, and you know that's the death knell of a, yes. a What else you yeah. have? Yeah. What's
0: yeah. that? Yeah. What
2: else you got? Yeah. yeah. Show me something mm. else. Um, you never want to hmm. Yeah. So, so you know it was a nice first attempt. Um, you know, but it, the brand, based on who it was, could really use a stronger identity. So then this this character John Muir comes into the picture, and you know John Muir is a very very well known character here in California. Uh, he was a co founder of the Sierra Club. Um, Considered to be the father of our national parks, worked with Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, to create some of the first national parks.
0: One of my favorite and, characters in American history.
2: Yeah, there you go. And so, you know, he walked the this area. He know, knew Northern California, like the back of his hand, all the way up to the Canadian border. And so um, he became our muse for the brand. And with, when, you, when you have this concept, then, you know, you find a great you know, creative mind to express it. So um, they worked with uh, Derek and the team worked with stranger and stranger. Uh, it's a globally known uh, packaging development company that's based in London and here in San Francisco.
0: Their owner's stuff. Steph.
2: Yeah. Kevin Shaw. He uh, he's done um, a lot of work with Johnny Walker, a lot of work with a lot of other, um, you know, great brands. Uh, and the original um, I think the first, Label that they developed was the pipe dream label. And let me take a step back. I, I think, you know, again, we're here in Redwood Empire. You start to talk about John Muir. Exactly. You see that pipe dream label. Uh, this notion of um, connecting these products to one of the call the notable trees in the Redwood Empire. Uh, became part of developing the identity. So pipe dream is the 14th largest tree on the planet. It's 367 feet tall. Uh, it's up in Humboldt uh, County, which is just north of Sonoma County, then then uh, Mendocino, then Humboldt, about 140, 150 miles north of us. Uh, and, you know, it, it's it just became, all right, now we have a concept. You know, we have these different products. Let's pick these really cool, interesting tree names that help tell a story about where we live. Uh, so then you put all that into Kevin Shaw's hands. Uh, he worked with, um, helped develop the first Pipe Dream label that you, that you just showed. And then he worked with a famous illustrator named Stephen Noble, uh, who created the Emerald Giant uh, label for us, uh, that woodcut, and, as well as the haystack needle. Uh, So that, yeah, that's uh, an SE Emerald Giant. And knowing
0: the background now, they really do play into that almost folksy uh, uh, American history, Johnny Appleseed-esque branding of, of, of the full iconography.
2: Yeah, yep. the Americana arts and crafts movement of mm-hmm. that time of John Muir uh, played into the development of those labels, absolutely. So, you know, we've definitely struck a chord there. Um, we've 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 hit, I think, an identity that's really super powerful and memorable. I've never come across anybody who had that, you know, other label reaction like, oh, yeah, it's okay. Everyone is like, that's cool. Those are super cool. No matter <laughs> the age or male, female, it just it just really strikes a chord with everyone.
0: Well, it does that thing that you always strive for. It stands out. If you're in the liquor store or uh, you're looking for a new bottle and there's a hundred labels on the wall and you see this, you see that awesome, uh, are they feathers or are they pine needles I was yeah. wondering, because of the tree, if they were pine needles.
2: That's up to you.
0: It's yeah. up to the, up to the uh, consumer. But regardless, yeah. you know what I'm not seeing? I'm not seeing block letters. I'm not yeah. seeing like large, uh, the previous label that you showed me, which mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with. That was part of the course for whiskey. But this right. right here, good Lord, man, the consumer can completely get behind this because it's not like anything they've seen before.
2: Right, no, absolutely, and you know, it, and telling that story and the identity. So that's the Lost Monarch. That's what uh, that previous product became. So that same great liquid that was in the American whiskey. This, that's our uh, blend of straight whiskeys. That one oh, exactly. Perfect. So, so
0: <laughs> the blend went into this new, and this right. is just absolutely awesome. Uh, yeah. And and again, I'm a I'm a bit of an ad nerd when it comes to this stuff, but just. who who did you say was the artist on this that one uh was
2: kevin shaw's team um we know that stephen noble was uh hired to do a couple of the illustrations he did the emerald giant as i said before and also the haystack needle which is our single barrel uh program uh
0: how did you pick the quote that you used because in every walk with nature one receives far more than he seeks and and that's parallel. that's that's awesome
2: yeah, John Muir was not only a naturalist, but he was he was definitely uh, a spiritualist as well. He really felt like the connection between nature and the spirit of mankind were, you know, intertwined. And so he has a lot of great writing, uh, a lot of great quotes like that that we've, you know, selected for each of the labels. Each of them carries their own John Muir quote. Uh, and I just wanted to point out that tree behind me is the Lost Monarch. It's literally 26 feet wide and that woman who's young lady who's in that shot good lord she's not photoshopped in there that's actually her standing next to it so i just get out of the so way So that, that is
0: how how wide 26 feet 26 feet wide um yeah. you'll have to wait to see what this looks like i'll post it when i post this episode uh the lady is minuscule next to the tree that's just how gargantuan it is Yes. Yeah.
1: And And as as Dave mentioned, I mean, we have these forests near us. We have half an hour from the winery distillery. We have this place called Armstrong Woods, which fortunately survived our most recent fires uh, fine, which was, you know, we were all worried, but there's a tree in there called the Colonel Armstrong tree. And it's, it's not 24. I think it might be 14 or 16, but it's well over 1200 years old. I mean, these trees are massive. And when you go into these, uh, these old growth forests, there's not a lot going on in there there's not a lot of, of creature activity because it's the trees are so big and there's so dark on the forest floor that there's kind of this sense of like of quiet like contemplation when you go and it's and it's it's crazy like you'll be there with a bunch of tourists and you go anywhere else with a bunch of tourists and it's super loud and everybody's running around and kids are loud you go to these these old growth forests and everybody's quiet yeah and they're all kind of in a, in a, in a, a, you know, spirit of contemplation, it's just, it's really a cool place to be. And it's, again, I think it drives back to our branding and kind of who we want to be. And it's just, it's a really fun tie in to have all this be part of who we are because it really is
0: part of who we are. Just serenity. And, and that plays into the brand and, and so smart for you guys to pick trees that are actual trees out there. Uh, uh, When you look on the label, there is uh, geographic uh, uh, coordinates, right? Where if yep. you wanted to see where this tree came from, you can literally go Google Maps it and see see uh, the twenty six mile, uh, I'm sorry, the twenty six foot long tree.
1: And it's still there. You can lat along it on your phone and go find it.
0: That's wild, and so smart.
2: <laughs> I mean, I Dave, it, it, it's I one of those things. I was gonna say I had a chance to um, almost see that tree. I was, uh, during our latest fire events, uh, had gone to Washington State and was driving back. Um, this um, The Lost Monarch is in Jedediah Smith um, State Redwood Park, right on the Oregon border. And the day that I was going to go hike in to see the Lost Monarch, uh, the fires were just crossing the Oregon border. And I just saw the headline in my mind, like, Marketing guy hikes into tree. Lost, burned to death.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so i i uh, i I've been within five miles of it. I, I did not get in to see it. But uh, then they find
0: it. you six months later. You've been living in the Emerald Giant, the right? You dug know, out a hole you know, right, right. right. Exactly. You've become, you've become friends with the trees. That's logic. <laughs> <project. laughs> and, yeah. and, and Dave, I, I I know what brought Jeff. To whiskey, what brought you into the arena? What what brought you to the company?
2: I'm a I'm a career uh, beverage alcohol guy. I started right out of college. I'm um, actually during college working at a hotel in Washington D.C. And my first uh, my first uh, intersection with whiskey was as a restaurant manager and beverage manager at a downtown Washington D.C. hotel, where we actually put in the largest single malt Scotch whiskey bar. In the city, we had over 50 different single malts in 1991. So wow. uh, that was my that was my first uh, you know foray into spirits, and uh, so I, I I start with a particular love for Scotch whiskey uh, that I brought to this company. What's your brand? Uh, well, uh, you know I, I did a lot of work on the where they were, shuffling and Somerset, now Diageo single malts like Lagavulin and. Talisker, um, probably two of my favorites. I love Oban. It's a great blend between Isla and kind of Highland. Um,
0: Talking about language.
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, love a good space side. You know, I, I, I've, I'm I always asked about wine, like what my favorites is, and I say I don't play favorites. Right. I, I, right. Love I just love exploring. Um, and I always thought that whiskey was a lot like wine like you were talking about before there's regionality there's differences uh you know across the pond and the way we do things uh and differences in production methods that make it really really interesting so um love whiskey for that
0: oh completely everything yeah. every every sip you're gonna take is gonna take you somewhere different uh, right. I, I was started like you know how most people they'll start with whiskey and it uh, maybe their friends will start them off on like the lower tier and and they'll they'll start with like a a soft 90 proof expression of something that they can handle my yeah. buddy uh Dan O'Hare he knocked the door down and started me with Lefroig yeah <laughs> so my my entry
2: to, right over here
0: <laughs> yeah man and, and it was it was just one of those things where I absolutely loved it yeah. so, I, I had uh, uh, Rob from Maker's Mark. He was like, well, did you like it or did you learn to like it? And it was one of those. I had to think about that for a minute uh, because the only thing I really remembered was it was so new and, and it was such a palette explosion that that uh, and, and it's on tape. Dan was making a documentary that I just happened to to, to be a part of uh, by accident because I was drinking with him. I wasn't part of it. He was the he was the main focus, and uh, he introduces me to Lafroig, and it's wonderful because uh, my wife's on camera saying to Dan. Cause I loved it. I absolutely adored it. And you could see like, um, um, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. You could see stars <laughs> dancing around my forehead. Like I'd just been hit in the head. And, uh, she That's says beautiful. to Dan, this yeah. is going to be a problem one day. And when it is, I'm going to find you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not a cheap habit. <laughs> no, no. Was, no. Especially, especially
2: scotch whiskey these days. The prices have just gone. Off yeah. off Agreed. Them. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh so i i i love how you guys have brought everything back to nature i i I feel like uh not only is john your muse but the but the trees and nature in general is the muse for the brand Uh, uh tell me about the trees for the future and and how that partnership came about because for what you guys do it makes perfect sense
2: Yeah, the uh, Trees for the Future program came about when, again, when we really settled upon this core identity of the brand and what it needed to stand for. And if you're going to work with John Muir, as your muse for the brand. And then we have an owner also, who's very, very passionate about environmental causes uh, that are rooted in his mother being a very passionate environmentalist as well. So Derek was very interested in finding the right cause for us. We landed on Trees for the Future because we are really supportive of their mission. Uh, It's not only about, you know, planting trees for carbon capture, but they're planting trees in some of the most, um, you know, impoverished areas of the world, uh, creating uh, these um, uh, tree forests, the, these, uh, the you know, where they teach indigenous farmers how to plant trees and then create this whole ecosystem where, you know, they have trees for shelter, they have trees for uh, food, they plant other crops that, you know, are, Work synergistically with um, these little forests that they they plant, so they really use the planting of these trees as a basis for creating sustainability uh, and fighting hunger and and, and uh, in these impoverished areas. So we really were um, uh, really were taken by their mission uh, and felt like they were the great partner for us. So buy a bo- you know, buy one bottle and you will plant one tree. Uh, we've planted, if you go to our website, it says 185,000. That needs to be updated. Um, we'll be soon. We're over 200,000 trees planted.
0: Uh, That's awesome. That partnership.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very proud of that. That is so freaking cool, man. And yeah. and, and uh, from a marketing standpoint, it's great that it's A, a good cause, but B, it plays into your Uh, your archetype for the story like like if you guys were giving coats to teens that would not fit as well as planting a tree for every bottle uh, bought you know what i mean yeah Yeah. it's freaking beautiful i think so i totally (laughs) think so uh that that whole era of uh era of conservation uh I, i i love the whole because Teddy Roosevelt really partnered with a lot of good people when he brought that into the fold. And and we wouldn't have like Yellowstone. We wouldn't have uh, a lot of the great parks that we have today if people back then hadn't recognized the impending effect of the 21st century and the 20th century on what was about to happen.
2: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's really cool. You, you know, anybody can go out and Google some pictures of Teddy Roosevelt and John Muir and see these pictures of them in um, at Yosemite and you know standing at this cliff in their wool suits and you know and they hiked up in you know the era pre
0: patagonia right? Um, I, I've <laughs> always wondered that. Was it just not hot in in the late 1800s, early 1900s? Like you see people and they're on like a subway car and they're in a full wool. Suit and tie with a hat with a with a fricking fedora a, a felt fedora on like like are, is it just warmer now or are we just lazier and we belly ache more? I, I I think it's the latter. The latter. <laughs> Could you imagine if you told Americans that you have to wear a suit everywhere you go? Right. We didn't start putting juicy on our butts because we're uh, we're looking to be sophisticated. Yeah.
2: I had to put a clean shirt on for this, uh, this uh, interview. So I, you know.
0: Well, that was, uh, that was a chore. No, yes. pants, right? a <laughs> no pants, right? No, yeah. what's, what's that? No pants. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 no. None of us clean have worn no pants, pants uh, <laughs> yeah. since uh, March, February of last year. I personally haven't been wearing pants since 2016, but that's more of a choice. That's more of a lifestyle decision.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, you guys, speaking of clothing, were very nice in sending me this fricking T-shirt and uh, uh, a, a, a lot of the cool swag that has your mark on it. And I think it goes quite far to say that the brand is successful when you can put it on anything and it makes it cool. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's right. We have a kick-ass hat coming out. I, I, I'm 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 prouder of the hat than I think anything we've done thus far. I
1: haven't heard about the hat yet. Where are you oh. hey, wait,
2: wait, do you see these? All
0: oh, right. I They're I, right I want the- one. I am a hat freak. Yes that is awesome. Uh, uh, so other than hats, uh, uh, which I do legitimately, Dave, want to see that, uh, uh, what do you guys have coming out in the future? Like what's next? I know you've got your bottled and bond coming down the road. Uh, uh, what, what, what's, what's, what's on the map? What's coming up?
1: Yeah. So bottled and bond, I mean, that's definitely for this year, that's going to be our primary focus, get that out. As Dave said, early fall, late late summer, um, and then I hope to see that be a, a semi annual release because that's how bottle and bottom works. Uh, you know, it's it's a distilling season, so it's it's January through June and July through December. So I would right. see that we would have a you know semi annual releases of that uh, through time, and those are going to evolve. and And I hope that we'll you know be able to release weeded bourbons, the high rye bourbons. You know, we've got some different rye uh, bills as well. So. Those will, those will be fun. Those will be, you know, evolving over time. Uh, we also do have a uh, single barrel program that we launched. Um, I guess it was day one last, last, uh, the end of maybe very tail end of 2019. Into 2019. 2020. Yeah. Right. So it kind of hit market probably early 2020. Uh, right. And that was using uh, some beautiful old sourced uh, juice that was 12 year at the, at the time. And nice. 19, Probably half of its uh, life maturing and, and aging here in, in Sonoma County. And I then, love uh, that
0: fricking label.
1: Yeah, awesome label. Haystack Needles, the brand. Uh, Needles. Those that are not watching video right now, no. uh, but uh, twelve year, <laughs> and uh, we finished it in some different wine casts because we are a winery. Of course, winery. synergy. So we played around with that. The initial release was uh, Chardonnay, Cabernet, um, and Port. And then we've since done a little bit of Zinfandel as well. Uh, and they're really cool. I mean, I, that was a really fun project for me personally because you take this this amazing, beautiful old whiskey, uh, you know, distilled 12 years ago. Uh, it's now 14 year for what we have left in barrel, October of 20, uh, 2006. And you put it in a different barrel, and it takes on a little different characteristic, even if it's, it was just for a couple months of uh, finishing. Totally. So the cap, the cabs are yeah big and, and and medium, and just a lot of that great cab tannins you know the port of course has got that sweetness and the fruit and then the chardonnay for me was kind of that dark horse where it was just really fun because it was our russian river chardonnay uh, rayburn which is a big up-and-coming brand for us and yeah you say chardonnay barrel and whiskey and people are like i don't know about that but it was it's really fun i mean you just get the fruit of the chardonnay together with the great spice and the leather of this 12 year old and it's a really nice counterpoint so uh, excited for those. We're going to do a couple more years of those while we slowly uh, whittle this stuff down. We don't have a lot of it left, so it's pretty rare. I have people ask me all the time, "Hey, where do I get that haystack?" And you don't, unfortunately. Right, I'm right. 125 a bottle. 150 now in a lot of places. And it's, that's that's I, I, the
0: beauty, though. That's how you build that want. Yeah, totally. that, And that's the vintages that we've been talking about. Uh, uh, that is now a thing that you should have known about when it came out. And and when the next one comes out, you'll know better and you'll buy a bottle.
1: For sure. So we'll do Haystack with, with that liquid for probably a couple more years, you know, 20 to 30 barrels a year. And then I would love to see that evolve, evolve into a in-house distilled single barrel program. And so, very excited for that for, you know, maybe 22, 23. I don't know, something like that. And then single malt. I mean, I'm personally a big fan. We were talking about scotch earlier. I think American single malt is just another up and coming category that we're going to start seeing a lot of. I've tasted personally a lot of delicious stuff that, that it's people just
0: waiting, like, it's knocking at the door.
1: Yeah. I mean, Northwest, Texas, uh, Northeast, you know, all over. And everybody's got their own style. I think more than any type of American whiskey, it really speaks to place when you talk about, you know, American single malt. So I'm very excited for that. We lay down, um, not a lot, but, um, you know, we do a week, a quarter, so, um, you know, 15, 20 barrels a quarter. So really excited to, to see uh, that come to market. And, and so that's another fun thing we're working on.
0: Well, especially yeah. with your geography, that could be freaking perfect.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be cool. We, we actually just finished this week. Um, we we do a couple things with malt. We have a local malt house down the, down the road in Alameda, about an hour and a half away. Floor malted, beautiful operation called the Admiral Maltings, and they just make amazing stuff. So uh, we'll do, like I said, a, a week and a quarter of single malt, but then we also do a week and a quarter of of a legally rye at like fifty one to fifty five percent rye, and then the balance of malt. And that that beast is amazing. Oh my I'm god! Really and so we we, we just finished, uh, we're actually still distilling this week since it was a short week. Typically Fridays are a cleanup get out of Dodge day, but we're running right now. We're running that right now and it's pretty awesome off the still. So I really can't wait to see that once it's got, you know, some 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 heavy age on it. And then, the, yeah, the single malt, we, we start that next week and we're doing all these different malt varieties with with local, uh, local malters and, uh, you know, caramels and chocolates and, pales and uh it's really it's really fun it's just fun to see people use their own distinctive style um and it's cool
0: that sounds amazing uh, uh malt is one of those things too that i think people are slowly leaning into and when the consumer realizes just how damn good that is you're gonna see that blow up
1: yeah and there's yeah. a malt for everybody everybody you know historically you know you talk about scotch and everybody thought well, oh man that's scotch isn't for me it's all taste of you know this peat and smoke mm-hmm. and pop but That's not, I mean, it's not every direction, every direction. You can get that if you want by, by, you know, it's available in spades, but also there's all this beautiful nuanced, delicacy. Uh, you know, and these are Japanese whiskey. I mean talking about Canadian whiskey earlier. uh, I mean, there's just, yeah, it's really cool to see all these distinctive
0: styles. Well, it's a beautiful thing where we are teaching people how artisanal it can be. And, and whiskey is uh, the next farm to table. You know, you know what I mean? Like every region has now figured out how to make good whiskey. It's not just Texas and uh, Texas. It's not just uh, Kentucky and Tennessee anymore. And I, I think you're seeing the palates grow based off of the different geographies that the juice is coming from.
1: Yep. Don't let them tell you you can't make bourbon in California.
0: <laughs> no, no, I I I think it's silly that they ever distinguish between uh, bourbon and Kentucky whiskey. It's uh, Tennessee whiskey. <laughs> Jesus, Friday It's Friday for me too.
1: That means the whiskey's
0: working. That is right. Well, we've been drinking some good, good whiskey since we've been talking, and now you guys have sent me some uh, 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 quite a few delicious bottles. Would you guys like to uh, what like to do some tasting with me? Love to. Sounds great. All right. So you guys. You guys sent me the Redwood Empire Pipe Dream, the Emerald Giant, which is the rye, and the Lost Monarch, which is the blend, correct? Yes, sir. All right. So so you you take over, lead me down the rabbit hole. Where are we starting?
1: Yeah, I, I love to start with the bourbon. I mean, I, I'm not going to tell anybody how to drink my spirits as long as they're drinking them. I, I try not to... too much of my opinions on that but when we're doing a official tasting so so to speak uh, i like to start with the bourbon and then uh, move to the blend and finish with the rye Um, and that just i mean the bourbon is the most delicate of the three so i really like to appreciate that first Uh, we really get all those nuances out of that so let's start with the pipe dream perfect yeah
0: and again, the uh, the label that I think really just has captured so many people's imagination uh, uh, a wonderful packaging and also a very a very tasty bourbon. So there you go. Uh, for
1: for video sake, we have the labels. For audio sake, um, you'll see it uh, when, the, when the spirit. video comes out. But uh, it's they're pretty sweet labels. The pipe dream is uh, it's a, it's like a Reservoir of Dogs type uh, yep, uh, completely. guy in a suit. Uh, but instead of a head, it's just this this pile of, of like we said. It's kind of unknown whether it's feathers or or leaves. And I mean that's the pipe dream, right? That's it's kind of this dreaming quality that is exploding out of your head. So it's, it's a very surreal thing to it and. I think it, it really lends itself really well to the juice you're drinking. I mean, of, of this three, I think this is the most surreal. I mean, bourbon is, man, don't get me wrong. Uh, I love rye. I am, if you ask me what my go-to is, it's probably a rye or end of the night single malt. But me too. I, I have learned to appreciate bourbon more and more as I've gotten deep down this rabbit hole. And it is a, it is a very hard thing to get right. It is, mm-hmm. There's such a delicacy to it that you can easily overhand it and take it in a bad direction. And so it's, I think it, it really speaks to the craft of the true uh, bourbon masters out there to, to make, to make this spirit, because there is a delicacy there that, that it's, it's tough to get right.
0: And if you go too and far, so, you're going to rub people, the uh, you're going to rub some people the right way, but you're going to rub the majority of people the wrong way. Like everybody okay. likes that, that punch on the jaw whiskey, but the majority of folks are looking for a hint of that punch and, and, and the rest of it be balanced.
1: Yes. yeah so I think I probably spent the most amount of time on the pipe dream of the three just doing my darnest to get that right uh, I, and again back to the, the stocks we have in house I had some heavy hitters to lean into this uh, this blend has uh, 10% of, of 12 year and older now up to 14 year old uh, juice in it uh, and and I really think that that even though it's 10% of the blend really just gives it that that weight and that heft. Uh, I think on average, you're probably looking at six to seven years old. Um, This is going to be, you know, pretty healthy, healthy dose. I think we're probably 10, 12% of our, our grain to glass now, because our bourbons are now reached a point where we feel that they're going to add to this and make this better. And so, um, so that's kind of where you're looking at. This is a four stater. So you look on the back label, it'll say right on it. It's California, Indiana, Tennessee, and Kentucky. So we're pretty rare in that aspect that we're we're drawing in four states of, of distillation. And I think that's just where you get the complexity in the glass. I mean, beautiful nose up front. Uh, the you know, nose delicate. is amazing. Yeah. Complex, got some pop to it for sure. There's, there's not going to be any weeders. Um, this is going to be kind of all your standard, uh, you know, middle of the road rye. So rye in the in the 20 to 25% level, a uh, tiny bit of wheat in there. All of our in-house distilled bourbon has 5% wheat and 5% rye in it. So we're a four grain uh, bourbon in our in-house stuff. I just love the way wheat plays with other grains as well. Agreed. So, but this is going to be kind of more your traditional Mashville style. So, you know, 70 to 75% corn, uh, majority rye and, and a little bit of barley anywhere from five to 10% barley. And like I said, ages is anywhere from four to 14 years.
0: And that sweet pops in the nose. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 everybody's nose is its own fingerprint. So, uh, you get sweet you get spice you're you're getting like you just said you're getting uh everything that you're supposed to get with a bourbon um i'm getting a little bit of citrus with it as well like you're getting yeah. the van- the vanillas and the caramels and the spice uh, the all spice from the 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 rye but i'm also getting like a hint of of dried fruit and a hint of citrus at the end of the nose and then you go in and it is just it's so balanced, like it's it's so, and you guys are just putting this out. That is the most impressive part about what you're doing right now. Like this is not a new offering. Like this is like a a, a, a long-term measured hand sip right here.
1: We spent a lot of time, uh, as we did with our gin, tasting uh, and tasting a lot of the competitive set before we got anywhere near close to releasing. I mean, we wanted right. to really understand what we were up against and we're up against a lot. I mean, there's a lot of quality juice out there for a very reasonable price. And so if you're gonna launch something and it's gonna be above 30 bucks and you know, close to $40, in my mind, it better be pretty damn good. Otherwise, people are gonna be like, all right, whatever, dude, I can go back to my, my, my every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we did our homework and there was a lot of tastings at 10am on a Friday with a group of us sitting around a table blind tasting through a bunch of whiskeys and just What did we like? What didn't we like? You know, just trying to identify stylistically what we liked out there and where we wanted to be. And it really kind of goes back to this balance thing. And, and with this guy, I love the, the resonance and that's something you get from those older whiskeys. Like this will continue to play in your mouth and has just that length on the palate. That's really, really special.
0: Well, it hits nicely up front and you get that sweet on the middle of the tongue. And then with the finish, it, it, it roadmaps it back and you're sitting there. And I've just been sitting here trying to figure out how it's playing uh, because the finish, it, you've got the hug and the hug compliments the palate. It's like woven together. And then like two minutes later, you get a burst of sweet back on the middle of your tongue. Like it almost boomerangs, and and when that happens, your, your mouth feel wants more, which yeah. is the best thing you could hope for with a whiskey because your tongue is literally telling the brain, um, yes, please, can I have another? That's more.
1: And yes, you can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to, yeah, everybody, yeah. to everybody in the Liberty, South Carolina area tonight, if the show is not good. Redwood Empire. <laughs> I've got you guys on speed dial. There, there are a couple. You're in good company. If the show goes poorly, I'm will speed dial you around eight o'clock tonight and be like, right. everybody, meet meet Jeff, meet Dave. They're the reason
1: this show went off the rails. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> Jeff's a stand up guy.
1: Yeah. Well, he'll day. Oh, thanks, Appreciate that. I'm gonna be uh, unavailable at those hours, but thanks. <laughs>
0: Well, the beauty of eight o'clock here is it's only five o'clock for you guys.
1: Yeah, we're just getting started.
0: Uh, delicious. Uh, if, if that's where we're starting, where where do we go next? Where do you want to go?
1: Let's go to the Lost Monarch. So, I mean, people people always ask me like, what do you cocktail bourbon with? And, and I, I don't really like to cocktail bourbon. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I do not do a lot of cocktails in general, but, but bourbon is like, it's, it's kind of my beginning of the night. Like I, I want my palate to be, you know, primed when I'm having bourbon because I really want to, I got the opportunity to go to Kentucky a couple years ago and, and sit around and taste a lot of the stuff that you just don't see outside of Kentucky because it's, it's some of the bigger names, but it's the stuff that they don't release other than just locally. And it's, right. I mean, it's an education. It's just awesome. Uh, so yeah, I like to do my bourbon neat and do it, do it early. And then we'll, we'll, we'll go to the Lost Monarch and that'll kind of take you on a little bit different ride. Uh, that's the, the blue label here. Um, yep.
0: And then and end, it it's with just, the, end it with the rye.
1: The, the Last Monarch is the artist formerly known as uh, Redwood Empire American Whiskey uh, and we launched that in early or uh, probably I'm sorry mid 2017 and at that point that was our old label we talked about earlier we were you know we're we're, we're new at this we're trying to figure it out still right we knew we were obviously going to do a lot of whiskey gin is not going to pay the bills long term so whiskey was always where we were going and we were you know gearing toward that um, and we decided to, to launch with a blend uh, because that's a lot of what we had in house. Our bourbon was still a little young. We wanted the rye to do some more of the heavy hitting. And then I personally kind of pushed heavily on that because I'm a big rye guy. So I wanted to launch, we were going to launch one product that we did in 2017. I wanted rye to be a, a big part of that, that launch. And so that, that is the Lost Monarch. That is what was formerly our American whiskey. It is now as under Lost Monarch. It is a blend of straight whiskey. So it is a blend of, rye and bourbon um and once you add rye and bourbon together you can't call it either even if you're you know majority one or the other so this is 60 percent rye 40 percent bourbon um and it's going to be a blend again of of uh younger rye. um uh, we're three i think we're all four now we were some three-year-old rye to begin with and then all the way up to that it's got some of that older 12 year old bourbon in it so it's it's got all of this stuff going on i'm kind of like I like more. I like more right. spice. I like more flavor. I'm like, I put a lot of stuff on everything. And so this is, uh, this has a lot of that stuff, but it is also, I think measured. It's still balanced. So the stuff isn't any one stuff over over dominating the other stuff, but there, there's a lot going on. I mean, so I, I get the rye up front. I get that pop up front, a nice big spice. You get kind of some dill from that, you know, that classic rye.
0: And I feel like the younger rye's really play better with the bourbon, like like yeah. they can they can handle, uh, uh, they can they blend better together with the younger ryes because they play better in the sandbox with the bourbon.
1: Yes, yeah, and and rye's, you know, so we had a lot, we did a lot of homework on this. We were like, okay, if we we launched with just one product, it's 100 percent rye, that's not going to work for everybody. Um, my palate is not everybody's palate, obviously. So that's where that 40 percent bourbon comes into play and really just helps. To balance this out, and so I, you know, I get that pop of rye up front. It's great, it's tasty, it's good. Right. And then bourbon just it comes immediately on the back there, and just it kind of kind of moves out to the side and says, "Hello, here I am." And and now you're going to enjoy me. And it kind of takes you on that back end of the ride, and just leaves you with that nice delicate finish. Where you know on a on a, on a big meteor rye, you might just it, it might overpower you. This is just a little bit more delicate.
0: And how is this filtered? I mean, this is beautiful. Look at the legs on this.
1: Yeah. So we, I I, I don't think we have another hour to talk about filtration, but uh, (laughs) uh, we do chill filter. Uh, We will, I I will proudly say we do chill filter and I'm happy to talk with anybody about that. But, so these are all chill filtered. Um, I'm a big proponent of that. Um, We need our product to be crystal clear and we've done a lot of experimentation in house and I don't personally feel that that has any negative impact on our spirit. Um, So yeah, these are run through a chill filtration process prior to modeling
0: to anybody that would say prior, look at the legs on this thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are all, these, these all have still plenty of, plenty of pop in them. Mm-hmm. So this is all, all three of these are 90 proof, by the way, uh, I forgot to mention that. So we kind of settled on that in between land. Uh, you know, I think 80 is typically a little thin for whiskey. hundred mm-hmm. is a little bit tough for, for the, the the people are just getting going in the whiskey world. I, I personally drink stuff, probably more 110 to 120 now, Me too. as you probably do, uh, but that's not for everybody. So this is, this is the crowd pleaser in my mind. So this is the one that you're going to make your Manhattan's out of. This is the one where you're going to get somebody that's kind of new to the whiskey world. What do you got? And this is where I think you can introduce somebody to whiskey and you're not going to be like, this has got rye in it, but they, you're not going to freak them out too much. And they'll be like. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's got rye in it. Wow. That's, that's pretty drinkable.
0: I was totally going to say, this is the crowd pleaser. This is the one. um, If I, if I like the bourbon a lot, it's very, very good. If I was at a party and people were asking me, Hey, what would you recommend right now? I would definitely start with this one because it's got a sweetness to it. uh, And then a hint of, I hate descriptors because everybody gets their own thing. But I'm getting tobacco, and I'm getting leather, and I'm getting sweet.
1: Yeah, like pecan pie. To let people. Yes,
0: yes, pecan yeah. pie is perfectly put. Yeah. I and think this is one of those things where it, it, everyone that tries it could agree. Uh, if you like rye, you're going to taste the rye because it's there. If you like bourbon, you're going to taste the bourbon because it's there. It's a crowd yeah. pleaser, as you put yeah, it. It's, it's a crowd
1: pleaser. It's also great, like I said, for cocktailing. So I think of the three, this is the one that's the most versatile for cocktail because it's got enough of that rye pop where it will stand up to a good cocktail.
0: Right. Which uh, I'm right there with you. I don't do a lot of cocktails, but when I do, they have to be whiskey forward. I don't like it if it's sugar. I don't like it if it hides the whiskey. That defeats the point of the cocktail.
1: Yeah, I I don't like cocktails with 12 other ingredients in them. It's like, where's my whiskey?
0: No. (laughs) Uh, If it takes you 12 minutes to make it and it's only going to take me seven minutes to drink it, then there's something wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I thought you were a Long Island iced tea guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, that's my go-to. I'm I'm, 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 I'm gonna take it out in about an hour.
0: (laughs) Um, The last time I had a Long Island iced tea, uh, uh, there's very few people that I actually want to see on stage. But Patton Oswalt is one of them, and uh, went to see Patton at Caroline's, and I met this uh, this lady and she was just another, she was not a comic, but she knew I was a comic and she just kept feeding me freaking Long Island iced teas. And uh, at the end of it, I I, I said my goodbye. And uh, my, my only memory, this is a tangent, but my memory associated with Long Island iced teas are I was in such a way that I don't smoke, but I was looking for a cigarette. Have you ever been there?
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: no. And, and I go to this guy who turns out to be a homeless dude and I go, Hey man, what kind of cigarette is that? Can I have one? And he gives me a cigarette and then me being a complete douche, I go, Oh no, 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 I don't want this. You're good. And I gave it back to him. So that that is, that is for some reason, every time I hear long Island iced tea, I'm transported back to that moment in time in New York.
1: Yeah. Not, not a great, uh, sell for the long Island iced tea.
0: (laughs) What I love about spirits is like so many things can be um, just time stamped. Like, oh, yeah, like yeah. there's a place in time for like so many stories in your brain where, where oh, I remember every bottle on my shelf because each of them plays a part in my history of whiskey. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Pina coladas for me are my honeymoon in Jamaica at 10 a.m. You know, going deep to the, uh, the slushing machine and, and doubling down on those. And that's it's great. You know, I, we had an awesome time, and I'll always remember that. I don't drink a lot of pina coladas, but when nope. I
0: do. You remember, it takes you back to there. That is a much sweeter story than my accosting a homeless guy.
1: Yeah. The homeless guys were accosted in that story. Tequila is my
2: 21 year old, my 21st birthday nightmare story. So that's,
0: yeah, yeah. we all have that. Oh, (laughs) we can't, we, I'm sorry, Dave, we're not going to be able just to gloss over that. You just said 21 nightmare story. (laughs)
2: Well, yeah, um, a bottle of dos gusanos, two worm tequila, and um, three people in a room. And uh,
1: and, and
2: that, that kept me off of tequila for about
1: 20 years. Sounds like
0: there was some vomit involved in that story. There was a yeah. <laughs> uh well if it makes you feel any better to age myself, I turned 21 on 10, 2001. Wow. So Nine. I woke up with the worst hangover ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's right. do it. Everybody listening's doing the math on that interview. Yeah. Right wait, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to the big boy we're going to the rye yeah the animal giant and now when you were picking names for uh everything when you were going by the trees what were did you how, how did you pick which tree went with which bourbon or which whiskey
1: i mean there was a lot of back and forth on that i mean i think the pipe dream fits perfectly with the bourbon uh and the lost monarch um you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, there was I don't know exactly how that came to be. There were some options there. But the Emerald Giant, I mean, for whatever reason, and I, I'd be interested to see historically how this came to be, but rye is always associated with green. Right. bird is typically associated with red. You know, it's like it's kind of this color scheme that you always see. So when we saw the Emerald Giant was a tree, it was just like, dude, that's the that's the rye. I mean, that's kaboom. just it was kaboom. Yeah, it was just that was that was a given. And it's and I, the, the the graphic is just I think of the three this is my favorite graphic uh, I'm super happy it's on my ride
0: uh, I, I I love it I love everything about it like uh I I, I want posters of this and just you yeah. hang them up and 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 Dave this is your office like if you could have this in your office you've got an awesome freaking career you know oh yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah and it's, it's, it looks kind of overbearing and big and then you look at him and oh well, he's planting a tree you know it's like it's it's really cool and it's uh, it's a good thing.
0: And he's wearing a crown of trees, like the whole thing. The yeah. story behind it is just amazing.
1: Yeah, it's cool. So this is the Emerald Giant. Uh, again, a blend of in-house and source distillate. Uh, our our rye's, um, I'm very excited, you know, for our rye. Um, this our our typical rye in-house mash bill is is going to be 90% rye five barley, and then five wheat again, we're, we're adding that 5% wheat. I love it. It's just fun. Even at 5%, it gives you another layer of texture that I really right. like. And so our rye has it. But then, um, like I said, every once in a while, we do that high malt rye that's legally rye, but with a ton of malt in it. And a couple of those barrels are in this and in every blend. And I think that's really what differentiates this and, and, and gives you a little bit more depth of character than your traditional 95 rye. Uh, which is just all kind of one dimensional, and
0: right.
1: so, yeah. So, I mean, you get, you know, nose, big, but you get that. You're like, oh, yeah, big, you like, Big,
0: beautiful. Love the spearmint. I love the eucalyptus. Yeah, I mean, it's got that
1: green quality to it, but it's not, it's not, un, you know, unassuming. It's just that, like, it just kind of cleans you up, clears up your, your nasal passage, you know, little dilly,
0: little evergreen, you know. Well, when you're doing a flight, this is a perfect way to end because the heat of the last two this is going to cool it off. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So pop, but then I like, I get these, I get chocolate and baking spice and some other things in there that you don't traditionally associate with rock. Right. Which is fun.
0: Oh, the baking spice all day long. I'm, I'm getting some spearmint. I'm getting I'm looking for the chocolate. I don't know if now my brain's wanting to taste chocolate because you said it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Getting, no, no, no. You're good. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely getting a little bit of it on the middle of the tongue, but the majority of it is, is like that front of the tongue sensation with the uh, allspice and the Curves. mint. Yeah. And then it kind of curls together and works away, works its way around the mouth.
1: And then you talk about citrus. I mean, I, I get, I get some orange. I get some kind of like burnt orange quality on the back of that, too. You know, it's got a little bit of that citrus pop.
0: I This is a hard one. I keep going back and forth on which one's my favorite. This one's going to take a revisit because the, blend, the blend and the rye are so freaking good. The bourbon's amazing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from the bourbon, but the blend and the rye are... And again, maybe it's because I've had the bourbon so many times, uh uh that these guys are new. And and when you've been drinking whiskey as long as we all have, and you can taste something and it, it legitimately brings something new to the party, uh that's a compliment.
1: Cool. We'll take it. I, I'm 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 pleasantly surprised that being the bourbon showdown, you're open to uh non-bourbon whiskeys.
0: <laughs> yeah, always. I, I don't think anything um I don't think anything's off the table. I think the worst thing we can do is limit ourselves to what we might like. Uh, me, me personally, I go back and forth every day. Like some days uh, you're going through a rye phase. I'm going through a heavy rye phase right now. Um, mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, brandy, who knew? You know, It, it's, it just depends on where, where your palate's going to take you. It's, so, it's, and
1: people, people ask me a lot, like, what, what you, what's your go-to? What do you drink? And it's like, whatever I have in my liquor cabinet, you know, it's like, I, I, I rarely buy the same bottle twice when I'm out because there's just so much to try that I just, I always want to like, give me that, give me that, give me more. i am like, I just, I'm, I'm always curious of what else is out there that people are doing because it's, yeah, there's just so much.
0: Well, uh, uh, what do they say? Uh, you, you, you can't only drink your own juice or your, your own palate's going to get kind of tunnel vision. So if you're not expanding the palette, the palette's going to shrink and you can't have that. We call it
1: the house palate. You have to be very careful about that because there you, you can't go. Be blind to, to creativity that way.
0: Man, these are good guys. This is uh, uh, very impressive considering, and I mean this with love, it drinks with a much older palate than you guys have been around That is a complete compliment. I'll take it. though. You know what I mean? Like, like this, you don't taste new. This tastes like uh, this. All three of these tastes like something that's been around long enough to have figured out what they are. And that's the hardest thing in bourbon is to figure out your voice. And I think you guys have figured out your voice, not only in the sense of the juice, but the sense of the marketing and the story that goes into it. And kudos. I mean, literally just hats off. It's very good. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, you guys have been more than gracious with your time today. I've enjoyed bullshitting with you. Uh, It's not, sometimes you have to stick to the paper. And I love that we were able to go all over the place. Uh, I I hope you guys have had a good time because I've had a legitimately good time talking with you guys.
2: Jesse, I did want to uh, maybe just spend. 10 seconds here, just uh, telling every listener out there that uh, they should go to Instagram, follow us, Redwood Empire Whiskey, or Facebook. Uh, The month of April is a big promotional month for us. Uh, It is Earth Month for us. It's the month that has Earth Day, Arbor Day, and John Muir's birthday in it. We use it as a way of kind of heaving up our our, um, promotional activity uh, through social media. So we have a whole editorial cal- calendar of great content that will uh, be, you know, um, will be releasing on a daily basis 30 days of social media posting, uh, which includes um, time in the distillery, uh, following Jeff and his new head distiller uh, Lauren Pats around uh, who just joined the team um, and as well as new cocktails and other um, you know timely um, uh, content. Uh, we also will be kicking off a national uh, promotion uh, where um, you'll we're, we're running a um, sweepstakes for a to, to win a trip um, to uh, Sonoma County uh, to to do some glamping. Uh, That's in the awesome.
1: So,
0: Was
1: that in uh, the backyard? I don't know if I signed off on it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. There you go. Uh, it it is
2: in our backyard. Um, we're going to be sending people to Auto Camp right there in Forestville, I think it is, yeah. or Burnville. Uh, so just Airstream, uh, airstreams, airstreams. Uh, yeah, in the airstreams. Exactly right. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's so. beautiful.
0: Everybody, be on the lookout for that. The month of April, you need to be on every social media channel every day, and just be on the lookout for Redwood Redwood Empire as they've got a lot of cool things coming your way. That's right. Thank you for uh, that, Jeff. Yeah. No, that's super cool. And Mark, you
1: guys, gotta get plugged in. Good job. No, man. no, 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 no. <laughs>
0: uh, that's Dave. That's Dave doing exactly what Dave should be doing, and uh, <laughs> he uh, does when they go glamping, like, like, what are they going to get? Like with the sweepstakes, are they going to like, like tell me about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, no. Yeah. So uh, you'll, you'll see on We'll be marketing this through our website. So if anybody sees, um, sees any information about this on social uh, There'll be a path to get to uh, where you can enter. You don't have to purchase any alcohol to enter our contest. This contest is running nationally in all the states where it's legal to do so. Uh, So uh, there'll be uh, an entry. Um, The contest will run in April and uh, May. And then at the end of May, uh, we'll draw, there'll be one winner who will win in all expenses paid, airfare, accommodations, $250 worth of spending money while they're here. Uh, It's a $4,500 value, um, you know, trip to uh, Sonoma County here and uh, a glamping experience. So um, it's gonna be- Fantastic. We'll include a trip to the distillery and um, really roll out the red carpet for
0: uh, these folks. Uh, COVID, COVID uh, accommodating. Of course. <laughs> uh, well, okay. from everything that we've talked about in terms of the serenity of the landscape where you guys are, I, I cannot think of a better freaking way to unwind from everything that's been happening than to spend some time glamping in the Redwood Empire. Right, right, and yeah, that's
1: right down the road from that for- that uh, old growth forest I was talking about earlier. So so you
0: strong need- woods, that's right.
2: No, I literally, can walk there. It's yeah, that's that- awesome.
1: Yeah. So
0: awesome. You yeah. guys are so put together when it comes to the entire synergy of your story. Like, like that's the perfect that's the perfect way to do that. That so good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I will, I will, I will, I will sing it from the rafters. Uh, and, and I always like to ask everybody that comes on the show, if, if there was a Mount Rushmore of distillers or let's just say whiskey, if there was a Mount Rushmore of whiskey, it could be blenders. It could be distillers. Uh, who would you put on your Mount Rushmore?
2: That's a Jeff question there.
1: Yeah. So you gave me that question and and I I looked at it and I'm coming at this a little bit different than a lot of the other distillers out there counting back or whatnot, but, but I, I have been doing this a little while now and I've, I've had some great influencers along the way. And so I can definitely speak to those people. I mean, we talked about Dave Pickerel, amazing guy. I had the opportunity to spend some time with him, you know, several years ago and at, at at actually a couple workshops over the years. Um, and he's just, you know, as everybody says, you know, he was just an amazing dude and just his, his knowledge, but beyond his knowledge, like, he really just cared about the next generation of distillers and wanted to get them going and involved. And like he, that was his legacy was like, and it was just super cool to see. So he was very open about everything he did. There was no secrets. There was no, like, I can't tell you this. Cause you know, it's that's my house. You know, it was, none of that. It was just like, well, what are you doing? Well, maybe you should try this, you know, so very cool guys. So, I mean, pick roll for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, we did some brandy early on, and we, we have that all in barrel. We've kind of pivoted away from that for now, but love to do some more someday. So I had the opportunity to do a couple of brandy workshops with uh, Hubert Germain Robin, who is uh, really the godfather of American brandy. And again, an amazing dude, a little different guy, French guy, uh, you know, different than Dave by far but the same enthusiasm for, for education and, and life and just a really, really cool guy. And also like his dedication to the spirit, he didn't care anything about anything and probably to some detriment detriment to his branding, but all he cared about was the spirit. It was like hmm. he had these rules and, and the spirit drove everything. And it was just this very cool approach to like, that you only taste at this time of year when the barrels are ready, otherwise, you leave them alone. And like, he just it was like it was really cool. He was really, successful that. yeah. And, and he's just an amazing guy if you ever had a chance to talk to him. And then, uh, the third one I kind of think about, um, I've only just crossed paths with him and done like little webinars, but we were talking about Canadian whiskey earlier. Uh, Don Livermore, Dr. Don uh, who's, who's like the dude of Canadian whiskey. Uh, I've had the chance to sit on panels and and like listen to him speak. And just his approach to whiskey is very different than a lot of other people because he's got this chemistry background. Uh, but again, just the education there and the dedication. And he's got like 2 million barrels under his care and the stuff they do up there in Ontario, Canada is just amazing. And so like, uh, he's like, I just love it. Like he's, there's nothing that he won't try and, and it's all like in the sake of science. And it's really cool.
0: And that's what it's all about right there.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's very, very cool. So I mean, those are three people on my rush more. I mean, again, there's a lot of others. Dave?
2: I, I, I just have one and I, I was, was going to leave it to you to uh, answer that question. But uh, there was someone who came to mind when you talk about passion and education in the category. And that's Michael Jackson. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the thriller, Michael Jackson. Not the that's
0: Please explain. But, uh, Yes, now, no. I
2: know. There's a uh, writer, and you need to look this up, Google this guy, Michael Jackson. He was a British um, writer who um, wrote some of the most definitive guides on single malt uh, scotch yeah. whisky that there were. And I had a chance uh, very early in my career, in my distributor days, uh, to set up a couple of tastings for him in Washington D.C., got a chance to meet him. His passion, his encyclopedic knowledge was unbelievable.
0: So I definitely put Michael Jackson up there. All right, uh, look it up. <laughs> I I absolutely love it when people bring folks that I have not thought of to the table, and you guys have just brought up three people that I have not thought of. That is wonderful. all right very good answers California
1: boys do a little bit differently
0: (laughs) (laughs) well um I have kept you guys for a while I hope I have not messed up your days uh I only go long with people that I'm enjoying talking to so I appreciate you sticking with me for all of this
1: oh it's been a pleasure really appreciate it absolutely
0: uh you create you produce a good juice. Uh, I wish you guys nothing but the best. Um, come April, anything I can do, let me know, because it is uh, you guys are doing good work. Great.
2: So, Take you out on the Jesse. We'll definitely
0: be in touch. Most Cheers. definitely. Have a great weekend, guys. I know what I'm doing. I'm probably spending a little more time with the uh, Redwood Empire Rye than I need to.
1: Nice.
2: Don't forget about your show.
0: Nah, they don't, nah, they're fine. They don't need me. <laughs>
2: uh, They'll
1: make it better.
0: thank you guys i'll talk i hope to talk to you soon There you have it, everybody. That is this week's episode. We want to thank Redwood Empire. We want to thank Dave and Jeff for coming on the show and talking to us about delicious, delicious whiskey. Uh, We really appreciate their time, and I thoroughly enjoyed getting to know them and learning more about the Redwood Empire story and everything that goes into what they're making and producing right now, which is just some solid liquid. Uh, I have gone back And revisited that rye Multiple times Since I tried it with them On the show And let me tell you The rye is so good All of them though I have thoroughly enjoyed Going back And trying the Pipe Dream again The Emerald Giant Oh my god The Emerald Giant The rye is just Absolutely fantastic And then I I still It's a toss up between Emerald Giant And Lost Monarch Monarch being the blend Pipe Dream being the bourbon Emerald Giant being the rye All of them all of them. I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed revisiting them and and just uh, reacquainting myself with these delicious whiskeys. So if I had any advice to those out there, I'd say just go. If you can find Lost Monarch, I think you're really going to enjoy that. I know Pipe Dream is in most places where you can get the Redwood Empire whiskey, and you might be able to get Emerald Giant. But the Lost Monarch, if you can find it, pick one up. Give it a go. Let me know what you think. Uh, all of them... so cool the packaging having all three of these bottles sit next to one another it just looks so cool just the presentation of the whole thing so good job dave delicious liquid jeff and thank you guys for being on the show we do want to remind everybody that you do have the remainder of this week to go sign up uh, for their glamping sweepstakes it ends at the end of april so go onto their website right now and sign up for that sweepstakes you could win a pretty badass glamping experience from your friends at redwood empire so thank you guys for coming on the show thank you to everybody for listening we will be back next week with a brand new episode of the bourbon showdown podcast for me that's it guys i'm off to kentucky i'm about to go uh watch some horse racing and live it up at the Kentucky Derby. My name is Jesse Jones. I'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.